Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Folkja, and welcome back to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to tell you about the real Ireland. My name is Joe McNamara, and I'm here with my very own Bird O'Donnell, the bird, Robert Cross. <laughs> He is my favorite character in it too, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Rob here. How are all of you? Jesus, do it. It doesn't even feel like it's been a week since we did our last podcast, does it? <laughs> Flew through. Uh, just peek behind the curtain. Rob has exams uh, in a week's time from when we're recording this, which is just after we recorded the previous episode, uh, so that we can kind of double up. So we'll just uh, go through a few things that might have happened uh, since then. You know, Stu. Uh, oh, I can't believe the apocalypse happened. Oh, that yeah. was a terrible shame. That you know, was. Steve, I, 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 I always had a feeling the cure for coronavirus was about seven points of Guinness. And, you know, I've been vindicated once again. <laughs> right. But yeah, so anything could actually happen in the, the week's time since. So <laughs> we'll just hope that everything goes yeah, well. But we'll be back to like normal service. What will be the next week after this is released? Um yeah, yeah, that's what we, we, we have something lined up and we're uh, we, we were just kind of looking to see if it is possible to see Wild Mountain Time in the cinema in Ireland because cinemas are reopening from Monday. Well, let's just say cinemas are reopening from Monday after we're recording this and it doesn't look like any of the ones near us are showing it, but we're going to see if we can get a stream of it or something. We, we want to watch this as soon as it comes out because like this is the, 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 the biggie, if you will, as far as we're concerned this year. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So uh, what's Uniquely Irish today, Stu? So this week, for Uniquely Irish, this week we will talk a little bit about something we probably should have done way early on to get people uh, a bit of context for the country itself. The four proud provinces of Ireland. Are they together standing tall, Stu? (laughs) Uh, Yes, they are, as our national anthem tells us. Uh, That's not our national anthem. That's the the shit. shit I know. It's all the same. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it's practically our national anthem. Yeah, so we have, some people will know, we have four provinces in Ireland, uh, in addition to the, depending on your viewpoint, 26 or 32 counties. Now, we don't really use the provinces for any kind of... I think, I think Rob will, will be talking about the island of Ireland, yeah, just to yeah, make it that's, of course. less confusing. So we, we have four provinces in this uh, island, it's fair to say. Now, we don't really use them for any government or like kind of um geopolitical basis i suppose you could say they i think yeah they were basically kingdoms in in past yeah, centuries they, they were the interestingly those two do you know what the irish word for province is <laughs> isn't it something like it Cuiga? is Cuiga, which means fifth but of course you know there are only four provinces yeah, so a fifth of ireland because there used to be five the fifth was uh mead or me uh, which is currently, yeah, well, it's currently, it's currently Mead and Westmead are two counties in, in Leinster. Um, it basically used to be, that's where the High King lived on the hill of Tara. So there were, we had the, a, a series of different levels of kings and 
lords and things like that in, in our in our own um Gaelic nobility before the, the English ever came over here. The whole system of tanistry. That's that is a story for another day. We could easily do an entire podcast on how that worked. But anyway, um there were like regional rulers and kings, and then every province would have like the main ruler. So it'd be like Munster would have a king, everything, and then there they would all have one high king who would then be living uh, the fifth province, which is Mead. Um on Hillatarge is a lovely little place, but there's only four now because, you know, whatever. Uh, the four provinces are, of course, Munster, which is by far the best, as um, Seth and Steve will both agree. <laughs> I mean, we're not biased no, not at, all at all here, but okay. Well, you've got Connacht, which, uh, you know, has gotten a very bad rap over the years, too. You know, to hell or Connacht is... A... Just for reference... Just for reference, Rob, uh, Munster is the south. Yeah, sorry, I probably uh, should have province. been. Um, I actually might just say roughly where it is and what counties. Yeah, every county is part of a province, I suppose. Well, kind of, well we yeah. don't need to list through the, the whole territory. Any, anyway, um, so Munster is kind of in the south and southwest, I think it'd be fair to say. So it would going to go from Waterford down to Kerry and then as far uh, north as the top of Clare and Tipperary. Um, of course, there's the fantastic um, county of Limerick, which uh, is by far the best. You know, then we go uh, slight, slightly northwest to Connacht or Connaught, as it has been written in the past, um, <laughs> which is, yeah, there, there's kind of two ways to spell this. It's like... Um, one way it would be it almost looks like it's written as a Connacht, Connacht, and certainly when the British gave out titles, there was a Duke of Connacht who was one of the Queen's um, uncles, I believe. We don't say that; we just say Connacht. Uh, then go going to the north, then with uh, with Connacht or Rabbit, like just a bit of context with it. Considered the the worst count or the worst province for a while, considering the old phrase "to hell or to Connacht," uh, which is what when the uh, the British Cromwell. Were, Specifically said that he took all the nice land off and sent us to Connacht, which is yeah, it's where it's where um, Con- yeah, Connacht, Connemara is there as well. They have their own kind of dialect of Irish around there, as we said. So Connemara Irish, yeah, Connacht, Galway Irish, and yeah. that. But it, it's kind of it, it's very mountainous and, and rocky, so it's very poor land for for farming and that. So it was really a a harsh environment for it anyone is. to live. Um, but we we'd say there's like Galway would be the only city there. Uh, the, the the main kind of urban center. You have a lot of rural parts, then particularly in the, the more northern parts of that province. But you know, very very nice little place there. You, you go then north again, and as well to the east. So basically, most of Northern Ireland, north of this island, is in Ulster. Now, Ulster is actually split between Northern Ireland, the six counties, and the three counties of Ulster that are in the ireland the republic so it's actually the there's nine counties in ulster they're kind of split and some people in northern ireland particularly those of a unionist background do describe northern ireland the constituent part of the united kingdom the six counties as ulster but ulster is nine counties including donegal monaghan and cavan which are in the republic so just to clarify that slightly that yeah (laughs) um it's Belfast would be the largest city there, of, of course. You'd also have like yeah, Derry as well. Um, Northern Ireland is the majority of it. Although, interestingly, the most northerly part of Ireland, the entire island, is in Donegal, um, where the you go to Loch Swilly, where the the north is south and the south is north, is the is the famous thing they say about it. So, uh, Ulster is very kind of geographically diverse. You'd have the beautiful kind of glens of Donegal, the Giant's Causeway industrial parts of like Belfast and Derry and things like that and 
some really beautiful scenery there. I, I haven't been to all every county in it, but I, I certainly would like to at some point. Yeah, I mean, I've been to a couple of spots. It's uh, it's strange having to change over to the, yeah. the pound when you head into Northern yeah. Ireland. But... I think it might be a story for another day about our, our travels um, across the border. Might might be a, 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 an interesting thing in itself. <laughs> I, I have a few interesting stories I could tell about being to Belfast, I think, if I'm allowed to tell them. But uh, then we move on to the, the the final one, which is, I suppose, in the sense, the biggest. It's got the largest population. It's also got the most counties, 13, which is Leinster. Uh, most people say Dublin is, is in Leinster, of course, as well. But it goes down to uh, Wexford, sorry, in the, in the south. Um, it would also, you know, so sorry, it includes, um, you know, going into Meath as well in the Midlands there, Stu, as well. So Leinster has 13 counties. It's the, the most out of any province. And it's certainly, I suppose, seen as the premier one in a sense, because it has like, the capital Dublin and I suppose with the urban sprawl, like, you know, the Kildare and Meath and even Wicklow would all be yeah, the exactly pale. the pale, which is, we won't get into that. So very much seen as being kind of the center of Ireland in a sense. But uh, quite quite diverse now. I mean, it's not there's not just Dublin, the suburbs. I mean, there's some very rural parts of like Leash and Kildare and things like that, which even down to Wexford as well, which is, you know, right next to Waterford, which is like, you know, Leinster and Munster becoming quite close there and um, Offaly as well. So it's it's not a not a bad little place at all. A lot more diverse than maybe people give it credit for. Yeah. And as Rob said, we, we don't really like obviously there are no kingdoms anymore, so it doesn't really have any practical use i mean it's mostly yeah. for the likes we, of sports we, and that we do still do it where that way. each province has its own its own uh, professional teams specifically for the likes of rugby uh we have our own uh teams and then players from each of the four provinces then join together for the irish team as a whole yeah i mean the this the story of kind of irish rugby is it's not like because we're from limerick city as, as we said before it, it's Rugby is the main thing here, particularly in the city. It's it's the sport of choice down here, and we say we will say we're the home of Munster Rugby here in, in Thoman Park, is one of the stadiums here. So it's very central to us, and we would say like you know uh, Irish by birth, Munster by the grace of God is what we is what we always say. <laughs> but um, in a sense that we when we were kind of rugby kind of started becoming a bit more professional, a bit more organised. Uh, if you look at like the United Kingdom, for example, a lot of the cities, some of them had multiple rugby teams, some of them didn't. I mean, like your Bristol, your Battle. I mean, London, they have a London Irish team as well. You've also got Wasps there, and like Edinburgh, Glasgow, Southampton. They, they all, I'm just claiming the, the, the teams I like. Um, they all kind of had their own ones. I mean, while in a sense, we could have done that in Ireland, I suppose, you know, Dublin and Cork and Galway, Limerick would have had their own rugby teams. We decided to actually kind of say, well, we're going to try to do it on maybe a, pr- a provincial basis. And there's a few reasons for that. Uh, firstly, you know, rugby isn't uh, really played across a lot of the country. It's very much a, a city kind of based things. And we won't go into it too much now, but generally like in some parts of the country, particularly Dublin, it's seen as being kind of an elitist thing for kind of, you know, schools and private schools and kind of South Dublin and posh areas. It's not really like that down here in Limerick at all. It's very, very different. It's much more across all class and social divides. Yeah, it breaks then for the uh the Gaelic sports, that's where it really breaks down into the, the county teams. Although it isn't interestingly though, Stu, it isn't strictly um what province you're from is the province you play in, as I'm sure you know. Um like we have oh, yeah. we have to attack London and New York because they both have teams and they do take part into, which actually kind of works a little bit because like if you think Leinster and Connacht have an odd and Donegal, uh, sorry, and sorry, barring Munster, the other three counties each have an odd number of counties. So that helps balance things out. But also I think Galway actually play in Leinster in hurling, if I remember correctly, because 
I think it's something to do with the Leinster League is like more competitive, so they they're too good to play in Connacht or something like that. I'm not sure if that's <laughs> it's something. There's something like that. There's something like that. I stand to be corrected on it. I, um, I don't follow hurling or GAA at all so it's just something I remember hearing. In a future episode we might do more of a report style on the kind of the geography yeah. of Ireland to kind of get into details on you know we, I, different natural landmarks and things like that. We might do like one where we kind of briefly talk about every county might be something. Yeah something like that as long as we can find a way of doing <laughs> it that doesn't uh, bore the pants off everyone watching. Yeah. It's... But I think we'll jump into the movie now. Yep. So this week we're talking about John B. Keane's The Field, uh, specifically the movie version directed by Jim Sheridan. That's right. So from 1990, so before either of us were even alive. That's right. And uh, I'll, I'll just go through the uh, the little description I have here on IMDb. So, when a field goes up for auction, the patriarch of the McCabe family will stop at nothing to prevent a rich American from buying it. That's in a nutshell, it. Um, I suppose, as Pete may remember from a, pre- a previous podcast where we were talking about Irish writers, um, you know, I love John B. Keane. I know, I think Stu caught out some of my gushing over him a little bit. <laughs> just a bit like if you if you like if, if like when we set up a patreon you know you can in the future you can like give us some money and get like the uncut version of that which is me basically actually i think it's genuinely an extra half an hour of me talking about darren chan and john b Keane. um quite possibly quite possibly so i lo- the feel is one of my favorite works by him um it's a fantastic play i i think i said it's it's one of the three things i'd recommend if someone see like what literature describes ireland perfectly i put the field well up there um i love it i've seen it performed several times as well I've, I've read it in school i have my my copy from school actually right in front of me which is a version that's actually based as he was like put out i think about the time that the film came out because it has like a picture of richard harris on the front for, as uh the bull mccabe and a few other but it, it's just the play material so i i'm seen the film in part of school as well I, i've read the play seen the play multiple times i love this um so i i kind of said to Stu this because i'm more familiar with the the source material that i might i'll talk a bit during this about the differences between the two and what i felt work and what i felt doesn't work and also um my own kind of feelings and what you know is this a good portrayal of it because i've kind of seen everything from more local drama groups doing it to you know more serious kind of actors doing it too so i mean that's that's kind of what i'll say to kind of get us off the mark but uh Stu? yeah so the the funny thing obviously it's been a while now i think i, I probably did it for the one of my exams back in secondary yeah. school but uh it just after having seen the quiet man you can see that there's a lot of similarities maybe the quiet yep. man script was almost based off it but from the american's perspective without him being well we'll leave that for later but <laughs> but you can see how there's there's almost a, a parallel with the two uh when you're watching it but it, it's a, a lovely movie and a lovely story uh in a lot of ways obviously it, it gets a bit sad it does uh, as well but it, it deals with a lot of irishness and a lot of um things that irish people hold dear i suppose is the best way of putting it I, um, I think clearly John Bikin. I think the kind of main thing I'd say, if I just give a, a very brief overview of it, I mean, I think it's, in, I recommend this to people who want to get an impression of Ireland, specifically the play. But I mean, I, I wouldn't not recommend this film. It's, it, I, it, it's an enjoyable film. I don't, I don't have much of an issue with the overall thing of the film. I'll get into the specifics later. But it's about rural people and their relationship with land, which I think is something that is very Irish that. It, it, it seeped into kind of our culture, and particularly when this is set. It's it's a bit more, 
prevalent but i think even now it's like we, we kind of joke about it i'm not i don't know if we brought this up in the podcast before but like the whole thing of um road, road frontage. frontage yeah like it's all irish trope of like you know if, <laughs> if you're um uh like my brother was like brought home someone and she had was from out the country and you know, my father might jokingly say uh, how much land does she have you know that, that that whole kind of thing you know marrying into a family to get a to get a field and um, being kind of a bit obsessed with, oh, we got to make sure we're, we're, the the farm gets onto the road. Like, ah, oh, no, think about it now. When you get married off, we can, uh, you can have more land. Uh, it's a very kind of ingrained part of Irish culture, and it, it's actually something I think that kind of came up a little bit in Far and Away, odd, oddly about the Tom Cruise's father in the film, like he's wanting to own his own land because like they were on a thing that was rented off a, a British landlord. Is kind of very central part of Irish identity about owning your own land and fighting for it and being very attached to it and i, I think that that's what the, the play in particular but the movie kind of gets across as well about how important that is and how central that is and i think it is a very irish thing and it, i think this gets it across in a way that it go like the, the extremes you see to, to claim uh what, what in the end of the day is just a field but i suppose that's maybe my perspective someone who grew up in a city would, would kind of see at it but i think in that respect, yeah, it's very like what 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 you see in in the movie is how everything that he does is kind of colored by what's happened in the past so obviously yeah. like the famine and that where where our own food that we grew here was taken from us and we starved as a result yeah. and and how he's like he almost lives in fear of this happening again i guess and so he's like no this is our land we we it wasn't even a field when his family started working on it. They were renting yeah. it from someone else and they, they pulled the rocks out of the ground, which he mentions multiple times, you know, like the very start of the movie, you see them taking seaweed, which is something that we saw in far and away as well as fertilizer yeah. to, to grow the land. And then like when you're seeing the, the, the shots from the road above, you have this massive landscape and it's just like the most green field so you know that it's it's been lovingly cared Absolutely. for, and you know they've really worked very hard on it, and especially it's it's a perfect spot for the grazing of cattle because it has the the, the water. I know later on when uh, he is kicked off it, he's like it's it's like a was it a four kilometer trek to the nearest water source? So it's like it's just it's not only that it's it's a, a field that he's worked on, but it's like almost a perfect field where it is yeah absolutely um it, you can tell like the the love and cares is very much there Stu, and um it, it kind of goes into the bull mccabe's character which is a very kind of i think i've mentioned before that it's a very kind of iconic character in irish irish literature and is kind of almost um a synonym in a sense like you know, obviously like oh the bull mccabe you know it, it immediately kind of brings uh things about you know talking about fields um talking about land ownership is very kind of aggressive countryman character and it 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 it's just very evocative image and if you understand it in maybe kind of an irish sense it's just you instantly know what someone is talking about if they bring that up yeah of course i mean like he, he's he's definitely one of the quintessential irish characters um you know you you maybe not so much anymore but there there was a time when you'd see that just the the tough as nails irish farmer who who's just literally built like a bull um i, I think he, near the start of the movie you even see it uh where where the bull uh, mccabe played by richard harris lovely irish uh limerick man um and sean bean surprisingly enough i couldn't i did not remember that he was in it 
and uh, they're they're hiking back up to the field with the seaweed that they got. And you see how uh, Ty Sean Bean's character is just getting tired as they're hiking along, and this much older man is just taking it like there's nothing yeah. wrong. He he's just happy enough going all the way up. You know, the the rocks aren't getting to him. Nothing's getting to him. He just continues on just the strength of a of a man like you that kind of, you, you kind of say as well you, may, you might know people like that they kind of, they're they're a bit old but like they're still working on the farm they're still doing manual labor like that and it's not something that's uncommon even in ireland i suppose maybe less so today but like i certainly remember like growing up my grandfather well I suppose he wasn't that old in in that sense but he was still working um when i was quite young um for like the, the corporation you know like working with um manual labor like picking up rubbish and things like that for the the city council and things like that so you know i i I don't see it as unusual in that sense elements of that do remind me of him a little bit um he he wasn't crazy as the bull is but you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well you'd hope you've never met anyone as crazy as the bull it's a good kind of characterization like in in con in contrast to taig who's a bit more of a meeker character in this film. And maybe we'll start with like talking about the film. I can talk about the differences then a bit later, because I think like overall, I, I like the film. I enjoy the film. Um, I'll just say off the bat right now, I prefer the play to it, but I think that's always the issue you have with an adaption like this. Uh, same people, like some people say about, you know, Game of Thrones or Harry Potter or whatever. So, oh, the, the film is never as good as the book or the film is never going to be as good as the play or the source material. And, I think in this this case, for me anyway, it it is true. Um, I don't think it's as good, but I think it's because, firstly, this was trying to be like making more of a Hollywood film, and secondly, they changed quite a lot in parts, so they, they had to stretch it out as well. Because I mean, it's not the longest play in the world, Stu. They wouldn't have. Um, well, I mean, it, it as long as it this might film be the was. longest play in the world, but it became like an hour fifty minute movie, so. They could have definitely done with a, a bit of snipping around the edges, yeah, or even not adding more to it. it no, no, know. I I get that. I mean, it's not a, a two two and a half hour film now or anything like that. It's about um about just under two hours. It was about hour forty or something in that region. Yeah, I said oh, sorry, an hour yeah, fifty. I didn't hear you there. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, I like. I suppose start off maybe with the characters. I think Harris playing the bull is he's very good at it. And he's got like an edge to his acting that I think you don't really see in a lot of his other roles um, as, as much, you know, I th- like from what I can see, like there was there was criticism when he was cast and people were saying, well, it's good that like an Irish man is being cast at, as um, the Bull McCabe. I, I think you really couldn't have done it any other way. But people were like, mm, is he really going to be? perfect for it and i think he's he proved everyone wrong in this film i think he did a fantastic job as as bull and he he played it in his own way i think but i think it was the right choice he didn't try to be like some of the the people who had acted this before because like he would have seen this this play being performed in dublin many times and i i I think he made the right choices in what he did like you know growing that beard and wearing that coat and carrying the big the big stick the ash plant which is which is mentioned in 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 the the play but i think the way he carries himself in this film is just brilliant um i think he really sells the the strength of his character just in the way he speaks and does it like taking off his hat and just the way he can look at the camera 
touch his beard. I think it's just fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, Richard Harris in general is a fantastic performer. And it's just a way that even though in this he's a huge man compared to everyone else, yeah, it's more about his his, yeah. his voice and his mannerisms that really like put people in fear of him. Like he doesn't even have to hit you. He, he just the, the look and uh, I know a couple of times he, he shouts stop or whatever. And it's like, everyone listens. Like there's no not listening to this man because of just the, the mountain that he <clears throat> like, is. There's a great bit like where he, he, he comes into the pub and it's like, everyone almost stops and looks at him because he's like asking about the field being for sale. And like he's threatening everyone, no one else bids for my field kind of thing. It's a, it's a, it's a great little scene because it's like having a complete commanding presence. And like it looks like his monologues in the film, like you say, he was yeah, talking but... about the, the, the rocks, like the, the, the English, like seeding the potatoes from our mouth and things like that. Um, Fantastic. You know, really, really good. Oh, yeah. And like for, for things like that, he's definitely drawing on the actual feeling yeah. that Irish people to an extent still have to about the the atrocities that happened here like you can you can you can definitely see in his acting that part of what he's saying is his own real feelings yeah. obviously from learning about it and probably hearing about it as I well I think it's cuz like the the other kind of aspect about the 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 play of the whole story itself it's about the fields but land and it's about Irish people's relationship with that but the other kind of central tenet you get about the original play as well, which goes into the film, is about outsiders, like people, you know, like kind of small, close knit villages. And they, they're very, very skeptical about pe- uh, other people coming in. And like the, the central point was like an American in the film or an, an Irishman who went to England and co- is coming back in the play, which, I, which I might, I'll talk about a bit later, the kind of differences between that. But it's about their relationship to that and how the bull doesn't trust outsiders coming in because he does when the British came in and stole their their land and their food. And now he sees uh, American kind of coming in. Yeah, there as I, think, well. I think that's the thing. If I were to go back to if I were to go back to my own schooling days and try to remember, I think. The, the real like central tenet of the movie is the trauma being passed yes, down yeah. through generations where where like obviously his family were alive during the famine and a lot of them left and he stayed and so he he helped create this one perfect field for them that he loves and you know uh like i think for this review we'll probably just keep jumping around rather than going down through the movie itself but he even talks at one point about how he he needed they needed his mother's help in the field and she collapsed and the first thing he said, rather than going to get a doctor, was we need yeah. to, to take in the hay. And his father was so proud of him in that moment. It's like, you, you kind of, you're trying to put yourself into his shoes, where it's like, how could you even think to, that the, the first thing to do yeah. is get the hay in? But it's it's just how ingrained the, the tending to that field was. It's it's like, it's it's a part of their family. It's their life. It's their livelihood. And it just, so he his first thought isn't, to help his his mother who's just collapsed and he feels bad yeah. about it after the fact but at, at the time he's like no this is what i had to do yeah it it is and it's it's as well it's some of the differences you get between the play and the 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 film are like the relationship between bull and his wife um are are kind of different as well and how how that also affects his person like his wife doesn't speak to him hasn't spoken to him in years and and that's you know the case that it is um the reasons are slightly different between the the two of them. Like the film has kind of implied that it's because of his first son Shamey who killed himself in the in the in the movie. Which yeah, there is there are mentions of that in in the play. It's not really said what happened. He just that he died quite young, 
and that Tyg is trying to live up to his expectations. Well, I, I think in the play at, at the time it was at the time that the play was written, it was probably more frowned upon to talk about stuff like that. So it probably had to be subtler. Oh no, it was. Like I mean, you got to bear in mind the play came out in 1965 is when it was first performed in in Dublin. Um, and it it so it was you really couldn't talk about that kind of thing. But it, it's not really in the sense that it's outright kind of said in the film. But also the in in the the play itself, um, there's a, a side plot about a donkey, and it's not to necessarily kind of do with the donkey at the start of the film, like where they they kill the donkey and throw him into the um, into the lake. It's there was a donkey in a field next door that some travelers had had left, and like the wife had become quite attached to it, and then the bull sh- shot it. All right, and that's why they and that's why they don't speak. So that 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 is actually um I, I, one of the, the differences here, and I, I find it quite an interesting difference. And I think maybe that I think that might have been the right choice, I suppose, in presenting this film. That it's a much more interesting idea that oh she blames bull for um her first son Jamie's death because he said there's only enough for one extra family to be uh, on on the farm. Like so, the idea was like it would be every farm would be divided between. Like the two sons, uh, Gravelkind, I think is what it's called. It's an old system. But there was only enough on the farm for one family to, to live on. So like Tyg would have to kind of go off because shame he was the eldest son he'd take over. And then the other is like he commits suicide and he's 13. And uh, Bull blames himself for that. And his wife hasn't spoken to him in 18 years as a result of that. Yeah, I think that's kind of going again into the trauma of it where the Bull's clearly like driving into his son's head that that the field is the most important thing and clearly somehow the pressure of that really got to shamey and was kind of the cause of it yeah and it's it's it it is well and it's um it, it still kind of is tr- home true to i mean there are, i talk to a lot of people and I, I have friends and it's hearing about things like this in rural ireland it's something that hasn't that that is still true today unfortunately and it's very very tragic some of the things i've heard and have been told and that that still resonates with people very very strongly and um it's still a whole thing like i I don't even want to talk about something that happened recently in ireland about this kind of oh yes i'm just still we we won't talk about it i know what you mean but yeah, but there, it's land it's, is still that, very it, important it, to people in Ireland. It is, and it, it, I mean, you know, it, it's um, you can't divorce it from the way things are now, and it's still unfortunate that you see these things happen in real life. But that's that's it. So I mean, we'll, to, we'll move to on. Go, go back to it, <laughs> just uh, to talk a bit about Tig, who's played by Sean Bean. Um, the you were mentioning about the donkey. So at the start of the movie, they're tossing the yeah. donkey into the, the lake. And uh, later on, it said that uh, Bull was the one who killed it. But further beyond that, we actually find out that it was Ty who killed the donkey. Yeah. After it broke a wall and wandered into his field, and uh, so you kind of you're you're getting the the sense that the the love of the field has been drilled into Ty's head, but he it's he doesn't get it the way Bull wants him to. Where he's actually he was like, oh, you'd never harm an animal in that way so you can see that yeah. it's, it's it's been traumatizing for him where he he thinks that to be like his father he has to kill this animal that disrespected the field no it is and i i think as well and it, it's i think sean bean does a very good job here 
I I must say he's um he he he's still quite young in this film. It seems already gold and I've already like I suppose he got his kind of big break and he does a good job with the Irish accent. I I'd say you know I I I didn't think it was too bad. What what did you think? Yeah, I I couldn't really find much of a fault with it. it he doesn't have overly too many lines, but uh, he he does a good job with what he he does speak. I yeah. suppose was he's a uh, Yorkshire, isn't he? Yeah, he's from Yorkshire. So like I, I think he's got some Irish in him, but like it's um. I, I thought he did grand. I mean, I will say that I I don't think that they actually name the town in the film, do they? I, I can never recall. It's uh, but, Carrick Tolmond. Yeah, sorry, I because I, I, that that's what it is in the play, and I was just about to say it. I mean, it's it's not it's not a real place, of course, but uh, it was filmed yeah. in Connemara, though. But it, it it's said in in Carrick Tolmond is implied being Kerry in in the the not in the the play and everything else. So I think he was kind of going for maybe that kind of an exaggerated accent, but I think it works. Like he doesn't overdo it. Because he, he's playing a very subdued character, I think, kind of, um, kind of meek in places, very much like you know, subservient to his father. Yeah, I mean, he he's trying to be the same as his father, but he just he doesn't have it in him. No, he do- and it's and I think that's they carry that across quite well. I think from the play where Tig is there with the bull quite a lot, but he's not really, well, not in the same level and everything else. And there's different things, but I think with the film, it it really kind of elevates him to more of a main character. If you know, I mean, not to say that he's not like an important character in the in the the play. Of course, he is, but it, it really kind of makes him into like almost the co lead. Where in the play i wouldn't agree with that because the bull is the lead character yeah probably be the bird well yeah there's bits of both really i would be the the secondary lead yeah yeah if you if you will if you will and i I don't think that's a bad choice in in a sense it's interesting to kind of see a different interpretation of it now what i will say is the extra kind of storyline they give to him with the the traveler girl and everything else katie um that's entirely the movie that's not in the play at all there there's nothing to nothing to do with that at all there's um that's that so that it, it, i find it interesting actually because it's it shows off another side of um the other characters and like you see like ty falling in love and he's going to run off with the the travelers and and leave, leave the town instead of like saying and looking after the farm and obviously that doesn't end too well from at the end because um sean bean is uh, famous for something in films too isn't he <laughs> Yeah, surprise, surprise, Sean Bean dies at the end. In a really stupid way as well. Like, you could have easily just run to the side and the, the cattle wouldn't oh, yeah. go into that. I don't think cattle run off cliffs. So, yeah, but... Um, so, yeah, but anywho. But, like, in, in the in the play, it's like he's... He, he mentions he's he's after... Um, uh, I think he's a kid, Betty Burke, I think, is uh, who, who he mentions. I think... Um, one of the Burks anyway and he's like oh he's interested in her and like it, this is when the two of them are waiting for the well in, in the, the play the uh, William who's the guy that's coming back to buy the field and the, the the American in the film the Yank and that that kind of comes out it's just the kind of conversation they're making and it's, it's actually kind of funny because they're it's the start of I think the second act and it's the two of them are waiting to confront William about the field and they're two of them like they're like oh it's like freezing cold and everything else and you hear like a plane fly over and um ty goes to the uh, his father is like oh, I, I know the sounds of um all of these planes now from being down down this lane and the bull goes what were you doing down here not saying your prayers were you who were you with you know and it's it's actually it's actually a moment <laughs> of comedy and you kind of see like the lighter side of the, the bull and i suppose be, I, I find that interesting because it's you, you get no one else is there he doesn't have to. He's still being a bit macho. Yeah. But at the same time, he's being a father, and he's he's like, 
oh, who, who are you going after? Because like we need some a new family to take over the thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And like, where, where's the next generation coming from? So it's a nice little moment that you don't get as much in this film. But the, the thing I will say that I like about the whole love story that you get with like, there's a great bit in it where they they're having like the dance on and like Katie comes in the traveler girl and she says, who's, who's manly enough to dance at me? And he's like, Tyg being very hesitant and the bull kind of senses it. And he doesn't want to keep him to do it. So he goes, I'm man enough to dance with you. And he goes in the bull McCabe invite you to dance, um, which is interesting as well. It's um, what, what do you think about that in terms of him as a character in the film? Do you think it's out of his character too? Or? Well, like the obvious thing is that he kind of, he senses that there's uh there's a spark there between yeah. Tyg and Katie and he, I mean, that that's one thing that, you know, you were saying that in the mo- in the play, it's a different girl. She's not, no, she's not, you, you never traveler. actually meet her. That's like, it, it, there, there's nothing really, there's no, nothing in the play about Tyg having, oh, any, right, like yeah. it's, it's, it's literally, it's, a, it's a mentioned in passing in one scene and it's never brought up again. Like you never, like you only see Tyg really with the bull right, yeah, in, but... in the rest of the play. But I think in, in contrast to what happens in the film. Right. But uh, it's the the whole point that, that I think they do well with, with making that part of the storyline is that the, the traveling community don't have land. They're, they, they travel, they move around all the time. So they're not connected to the land. They don't, they don't grow anything. And so that's kind of the bull sees that and is like, this is the exact opposite of what I want uh, for my son. I want him to have the land and, and live on the land. And so he sees that spark. And so obviously he jumps in, um, which I suppose like it, it's out of character probably for him to, to join the dance. But at the same time, it's in character because he's trying to stop his son uh, from dancing with, the, in his eyes, the wrong girl. Yeah, no, then that, then that's fair. And um, I, I, I don't have an issue with that myself. It's just portrayed very differently in the play where, you know they make much more of a deal about that i think i think that's interesting in a sense that i suppose hollywood always wants a love story don't they but i i think in terms of who did this jim sheridan actually wrote the screams i think didn't he um it wasn't a bad adaption i I think it wasn't a bad idea um in terms like how to do that because i suppose it is kind of the question it's it's something that isn't really addressed in the play really beyond a, a, a tiny bit of it and as someone who's a fan of John B. Keane's other work, like particularly uh, you know, Letters of a, a Matchmaker and uh, of a Lovesick Farmer, it's it is very much central to it. I mean, I think I think like in in a sense, I I like to think that John B. Keane's other work, Letters of a Lovesick Farmer, is kind of almost what would happen if Tyg is alone and 
you know, after his parents died, I think that it could be the the next logical conclusion. So, in in a sense, I think it does a lot of his work does tie together. Um, if you want to think about it that way, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a bad addition to the film. Um, I I don't think there was anything wrong with it. I, I think it does add something. Yeah, different, I think the, I, the main the main point about it is that I think it shows the the dueling sides of Tig where. On the one side, he yeah. thinks he's doing right by his his father when he's um, he's you know tormenting the widow. You know he he's for every day for ten years he's going to her house yeah. and he's you know messing with her and trying to scare her off the land, which he thinks is something that his father wants him to do without having said it. And at the same time, he's also like, yeah, fancying this this uh, girl from the traveling community, and so it's like, I want to do right by my my father. But at the same time, I want my own stuff. Yeah, and it it, it is true, and I, I I do find that interesting. Like the bit about them terrorizing the widow, it's not something that's in the play. Like it, it it's it's much more of um, uh, like the widow in the play. She's not really a fan of Bull and Tig, but she's you know not. They're not trying to like force her off the land. Like it's she owns the field, she's leasing it to them, and the whole thing is like she's gonna she's putting it up for auction instead of um just giving it to him. And obviously that, that causes the conflict of the outsider coming in then. So I, I the whole terrorizing her thing, that's not what happens in the uh, play in, in, in the same extent it happens in the film, certainly. Yeah, I, I think that they were just trying to make her reasoning more clear, I suppose. I mean, you have, uh, you know, he's been renting that land for so long. Clearly he he his family have probably been renting that off her husband's family for at least a generation or two and so that you don't really get any reason for her to be angry with him but then Ty having done that she believes that it was uh, the bull himself who was tormenting her and so that kind of gives a bit of a more obvious reason for the movie yeah no no i i, I understand the changes they, they've had to make and it, it it's i think overall it's not it's different and i i, I do prefer the play to just because of I just feel it's more genuine but, but I think there is a difference between when you watch something like that in close proximity in the theatre versus you know watching a movie I, I do get there is a bit of a difference there and it's you know you, you almost feel like it's a more intimate performance when you're watching a play like that because yeah. you know it's there there isn't there isn't a fourth wall there if you if you get me um, but even, even with you that know, like you can get like monologues and soliloquies in a play where you're getting into the, the the characters' heads, which you can't really do in a movie, so you have to make yeah the reasons very much plain for everyone to understand. No, I mean, because I think there, there are some great bits in the play that I think don't really get across here. I mean, if, if we move on to maybe talking about the, the Bird O'Donnell, um, it was actually one of the points I was going to get into about some other differences, but specifically about monologues. Um, John Hurt is playing the Bird O'Donnell, uh, Bull's confidant and I suppose I wouldn't really say best friend I mean even in the play it's not it's very much his underling if you will um, I thought John Hurt did a brilliant performance too I think he's in my I, he's actually my favourite actor in this film uh, I think he absolutely knocked it out of the park he did his own to a certain extent interpretation of, of Bird but I think he got across the whole meek kind of you know, scared of Bull, but try, but not wanting to upset him across very, very well. You know, I, I, I wonder what you think as well, but I thought he, he did a fantastic job and his accent is, you know, perfect. He, he just gets it across like brilliantly, I think. Oh yeah, John Hurt was fantastic. I mean, 
from the, the way he looks, I mean, you have the blackened uh, front teeth and that. Like, I, I assume they were meant to be completely gone, but you can see them at certain times just the missing I teeth. Know, it doesn't really matter. But oh, yeah, of course it's, not. It's just fantastic. But, uh, you know, um, the kind of sniveling, you know, the bull kind of, I, I suppose, gives him a stipend or something he, he, yeah. to, to kind of be his uh, lackey. Uh, I suppose to to harken yeah. back to to the last podcast, he's kind of almost the the parasite slave, without being beholden to an English uh, master. Yeah, and I but I think he does a great job. Like John Hurt is a fantastic actor, God rest him. Um, and I think as well, it, it comes from a, a real understanding. Like it's, I don't know if you ever if, if, the slightest side just to talk about John Hurt in Ireland for a second because I, I think it is interesting. He, he spent a lot of time living in in County Wicklow and loved coming down here. His his brother Stu is actually a priest out in Glenstall Abbey is one of the brothers um Glenstall Abbey it's, it's in County Limerick it's a school but it's also like a, a an abbey as you said for like monks and things so um John Hurst's brother is actually one of the monks out there um like he's um a brother out, out there as I say so he spent a, a lot of time here and they, they did um who do you think you are about him a couple of years back and he obviously came to Ireland and he was convinced oh I, there's some Irish in his in in his mind he, he's a very strong uh, affliction to the land and love living here and always felt very at home and it was just this bit where like he finds out he doesn't have like this this family rumor thing isn't true and he's not really irish and you just see like, the look of sadness in his eyes that he's he's not kind of what he wants to be and i think he brought a lot of that this is before he found out about that i think he brought a lot of who he felt he was to this role in a certain extent like identifying as irish and being proud of it and I think, even though like he's English and you know had yeah you know, very well educated actor, he brought a lot of him his own his own kind of family history, his own kind of hopes and ambitions to this role. And I think it really shows that he put a lot of care and attention into this, and it comes across as genuine that this is this is a person, this isn't a character. If if you understand me. And I think it's very hard to do that in the film. And I think he deserves a lot of praise for that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like you see throughout the film, the like the the subtle ways that he acts, especially being that kind of sniveling character that he is and how yeah. uh, the bull kind of, you know, he, he obviously kind of sees him as an underling, but kind of sees him a, a, as a good friend. Like when they're on the cart on the way back, uh, he's like, Bird, you told them, uh, you told the travellers about the donkey. And you, you like, you kind of, you half expect him to to go mental at this, but they all just have a bit of a chuckle about it. And uh, then there's another scene where the, the bird brings them uh, sandwiches while they're loading up some turf to sell off. And uh, he's eating one of the sandwiches and he goes, who ate the meat out of the sandwich? Uh, and Bird's like, yeah. oh, no, 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 it wasn't me. It wasn't me, bull. And you can just like see that kind of fear in him a little bit. But uh, then the, he's like, oh, I better ha- have a talk with the wife about it. And they all have a chuckle. He's like, you haven't spoken to your wife in 18 years. You know, it's just like scenes where you expect this this very aggressive man to, to go off. He doesn't. Yeah. And it, it, it I suppose in the the play, like, because I'm reading my, my copy like that I had from school, I like I, 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 these little highlighted passages and little notes on the side saying, example of um, the bull, like intimidating birds and things like that. And how it's it's still very much like he's very much still scared of it and very meek. But I I think the thing that I quite liked about the bird in in the play is that he some of his monologues and things like that when he's given his own little spotlight because he's very much the I wouldn't say the comic foil in the play, but you know he, he kind of he can he can definitely 
have a laugh at what he's saying at times. And it, it, but it's very much down to how maybe the actor kind of performs. I, the last time I saw it, the actor, I think it was actually a comedian doing, I can't recall who, but it was someone from Killing a Scully, if I recall correctly. And he was definitely playing it as kind of a bit tongue in cheek, but it worked the way he was doing it. And like it, as soon as he goes into his grip, like he's, he's being asked about, does he know anything about the, the killing? And he's just like, I think it was done by persons unknown outside of Carrick Thormund and they be the worst blackguards of all. And just like taking off his hat and like squeezing it and looking into the, it was just very funny. So um, I think the bird is a great character and gives a little bit of light relief to the, the, the both the film and the, the play, I think. Oh, definitely. Um, he, as we've said, he did a fantastic job throughout, really. Yeah. Um I suppose, I suppose, over overall uh, about the film, I never really like the ending. I'll, I'll just be, I'll just be kind of brutally honest. You know, like I kind of like where they get the crane and they kind of take out the American's body out of the lake, and because they're trying to get the donkey and they find it by accident, and then Tig is like, so I'm going to run off with the the leave getting off with the the travelers when they leave town. Yeah, and then you know bull kind of goes mad and is like going to drive all the cattle off the cliff and so he goes and tries to stop and then gets run off the cliff which i always think looks stupid it, it's just like i always said it looks like he can just run to the site and to be fine but anyway and then like the bit at the end where like Tig's body's on the rocks and the bull is like walking into the the sea to stop the tide kind of going mad I, I don't know. I've never liked that ending myself because the play just kind of it ends very differently. It ends with the bull kind of just talking in the pub and then one of the other characters kind of comes out and might do something because he's just admitted to murder and he doesn't. He just picks up the glasses. But I'll talk about that in a second because there's some other characters that aren't in this film at all. Um, but what did you think about the ending? Did you like it, Taylor? Well, it's like it seemed the way things were going that like it, it's it's one of the, the the things that you kind of get in a play where it's the, the father's kind of obsession causes the one person he wants the world for to, to, to die. Yeah. And uh, that kind of, you see throughout his, his growing madness that the, he's slowly kind of losing his mind as he starts to lose the field and mm-hmm. then learning the things that his son has done. So it made sense. It was an odd way of doing it. I mean, considering it seemed like the bull was running his cows off and then he was going to go after them over the, the cliff himself. Yeah, it it, it it just almost like I think that in my mind, I don't think it fits in with his character at all because what he's, what he's effectively doing is he's gone crazy in an effect, right? And he's destroying he can't have the field oh, and he's been found out and they're going to get him. So he's going to go to prison. He's like destroying all the livestock because like Tyg is leaving. So he's like you know, kind of going scorched earth, if you will. He's there, there'd be nothing left to take over now, you know, because he, he's going to kill all the, the cattle, perhaps himself. I think he says he's off going off to see Shamey or something, doesn't he? Or is that what he says about Tyg? I can never remember. Um, I think it might've been about Tyg, but like, I mean, you, you see yeah. after Tyg dies, you see him kind of like walking into the into the water, yeah. And I think trying that, to stop that the really waves. Kind of, yeah. yeah, it's like that. That shows the character that you know for so long he's he's practically been able to to intimidate nature itself, and so he's see, gone get, mad and he thinks that he can stop the tide from coming in. 
I get like I get the like the whole like thing like King Canute famously like you know standing in front of the the ocean asking it to stop. I know that's a parable. I know there's many other things about that. Using it as an example purely, don't at me. But I I get that like that does go into his megalomania that he's that power hungry and that like he believes he's in control because the entire movie and play that way he has been. But you know it's like even there's some things even above bull, but. That I think that that does go into his character, but him running all the cattle off the cliff and destroying everything. I don't see that because I, I you know, it, I I just think that I don't think he'd destroy it because it's what he loves. I mean, after Tig is gone, his wife doesn't talk to him. That's all that he has left. Would he really destroy what he has left, or would he not keep doing it until he drops dead in the field? And hopefully, someone can say, "Well, we better get the hay in." You know, I I I, no, I just to like, me that. Well, just, me, I just feel that that's out. That part is out of character for him. I can understand it, but I, I don't think it's right myself. No, I mean you, you you have to remember that like he's spent his entire life focused on the cattle and the field, so that his children's children's children will still have that field. And now he finds he he first off he believes that Tig is the one who who gave him up, who told uh, everyone that he killed the American. Yeah. And so he's losing the son, his only son, after his his previous his other child uh, passed away, and now you know the the field is going, his son is going. So he just he's at the end. Like there, the one thing in his life that he was aiming for is now no longer something that he can control, or, or it's not going to be there. So I think that's why he kind of he loses it. Yeah. No. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I I know there's under uh, different interpretations of it. I mean, I, just in my view, I I don't think that Bull would do that. But maybe that's just whatever. But no, I think it's fair enough. I mean, it's nice to have a debate about these things on on the podcast sometimes. Yeah. I I suppose I might just briefly talk about some of the other differences. Do unless there's anything else you want to add about the film? Or? Well, I suppose the the big one being uh, the the Yank himself and his plans. So obviously. I was going to talk. That's what I was going to talk about, actually. Um, oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, you know, it's, it's that Tom so, Berenger you know, plays him. I think he does a very good job, actually. I think he kind of gets across sort of being out of his depth quite well. Yeah, I mean, he's like the mysterious stranger who wanders into town, and he's he's buying the lads pints every day, every night. He's he's in the pub, and he's going around looking at the field and trying to find about his ancestry. It's and, very. You know, he has his reasons for being there. I mean, you get a hint of like John Wayne and the Quiet Man out of this, don't you? It, 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 in a sense, but it's it's interesting and it's um I kind of like the way they did it. Like in in the the play, it's like his name is William uh, McCree, and it's like he's he is Irish. He's not from Carrickthorne, but he's from nearby, and he's he went to England and became very successful. Now he's coming back to buy the field, and what I suppose it, what he's going to do in the uh, the play is that he's going to put down cement on it and turn it into um can't remember actually but it, it, the one is he's going to put cement over the field and the bull objects that i think in the in the, the film it's like he's he needs the gravel from the river isn't it for cement or some kind of construction uh, thing in in the movie what it is is he he wants to pave over the field because he wants to create highways throughout ireland but he also wants the limestone in the mountains that's it yeah I, I think I got kind of confused between the two of them there for a second. But yeah, uh, so I mean, before the bull starts going mental, you can kind of, you, you can see to a certain extent, like this this lad who claims Irish heritage and he comes back to see his native land. But like the first thing he wants to do when he gets there is to pave it over 
and and you know completely change it, Americanize it, if you will, and turn it into something that it up until that point hadn't been. Yeah, I think I think that's fine. Like I, I suppose in the it was different in the play. Like he is a local man that's come back, and it's maybe playing a bit differently. Like he's not unwise to all of the tricks as much as um, the Yank is in the film. Yeah, but it, it it's just that how he he really just wants to change everything, even though he's got come back there to see where his ancestors came from. His first thought is is to to make everything different, and like it, it, in the movie, it kind of almost to an extent in maybe the first and part of the second act, you're almost on the bull side. Yeah. Until he start, starts going mental. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, you can understand it, but I, I think in the, more in the play, I think it's that like William comes over and there's a reserve on the, the field. But I, I, I'll talk more about that in a second because they actually leave out um the, the pub owners and like Mick and is, is the auctioneer and the pub owner and he's sort of, trying to engineer it for the bull but he's not going to go too nuts kind of thing so it's like there's a bit more animosity there and things but i it's always kind of that the bull is intimidating but not to buy the field and he claims as the field we're in a legal sense that you know the the outsider is entitled to bid on it and can outbid him because he has more money and that's the same in both yeah i think in the movie though i don't think he outright says no one else is going to bid for this field he says I'm going to bid a fair price of fifty pounds, uh, and she'll get her money, and that'll then it'll be my field done and dusted. And the rest of them, having seen how much work he put into it, and knowing the the importance of the land, are kind of they know that in in a in a non legal sense, it is his land. Yeah, I, I suppose in a you know common law kind of sense, it it might be. Um, I do kind of like as well. It, it's it's slightly different from the play a little bit the kind of bit where he the, the yank ties or like it's um it can they go and confront him and like he's kind of fighting tig and then he kind of gets the upper hand in tig and bull kind of goes in and sort of batters the two of them because <laughs> he's, dis- yeah. he's disappointed i thought i kind of like that to an extent it, it's done a bit differently than in the play in the sense that tig there isn't really a fight tig Bull confronts William in the in the play, and you know, just like I want your solemn oath, you're going to leave Carrickthomond. Like the whole bit, like he's talking about there, is like, oh, we're just going to give him a fright, as in, like he's just going to like you know, give him a warning, and Ty's going to grab him from behind. He's going to give him a few whacks of his ash band, his big stick, and you know, they're not they're, they're going to give him a bit of a beating, but like kind of just uh, look, there's your warning, go go on home, Yank, and then like Bull accidentally beats him to death. But I, I think the yeah the. You know, the interesting thing, I suppose, in the play that I've always liked is that, you know, Bird is there as well. He's like keeping lookout as as in the film. They all realize they've killed him in the play. There was a bit of panic. And then Bull is like, you just had to go. You could have just had to. You should have just gone like you should have just gone. And I think a nice little thing is that he actually kneels and whispers the act of contrition into his ear, uh, which is like a a very kind of Catholic thing. And I, I suppose it's you see like this first kind of glimpse of his humanity you know is in that scene in the play because you see him like laughing with Tig at the start like chasing about women then you see the full aggression there then you finally see even he has kind of a, a soul and a moral compass to a certain extent and it, I, I I find that very interesting I don't think it quite comes across in the same way in the movie in terms of that but I don't I don't dislike the scene I like the fact that he has to go in there and like you know separate the two of them and be like I'll take care of this. I think that I think that suits more Richard Harris's portrayal of him. 
but uh, I, I enjoyed it anyway. I, I, I don't think it's a yeah, bad. Yeah, I think scene. In, in the movie, it's in the movie, it's, it's way more that he's trying to teach Tig the skills that he'll need to protect the field for the future. Where it's like, no, you go and batter him, and I'll watch. And then he's losing badly. And so then uh, the bull takes the two of them and dunks them in the water and he's like shouting at them both and uh, then starts battering him, battering the, the yank against the, the rocks. And he doesn't believe yeah. that he's killed him initially. It's only Tiger's like, no, no, he's definitely dead. Yeah. And I think he's, he stays there with him. I do, I do think he actually uh, says the, the act of contrition to, to him in the movie as well. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, was, I, was, I think you might until the morning. Also, I think you're actually right, Stu. My apologies. I was... Yeah, he does actually as well in the movie, which is which as well as is nice as well. But I think it's just, I think just translating it to the screen, I suppose it does come across a bit different. But I mean, that's the the climax of the both of them, I suppose, in a sense, isn't it? The 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 death. Yeah. But I suppose if I might just talk a little bit about some other differences in, in the sense that so there's a few characters they've left out. They've left out the Flanagans, who are the pub owners. Um, particular Mick Flanagan, who's the pub owner and auctioneer, he's centrally involved in this. Uh, his son Leamy, and then his wife as well, uh, Mamie, and they're they're quite like quite important parts in the um the play. Like the, the play opens with like Mick in the pub, and there's even bits where you also have the the, the um bird interacting with the uh, the bull's cousin. Uh, Dandy McCabe and his wife is just Mrs. McCabe, and they're all having a bit of a laugh and they're having a bit of fun. And the bull comes in, and ev- and then everything suddenly changes, and they're not laughing and joking anymore. And like L- Lamy's relationship with his mother Mamie, and how the, the the very end of the play being like, you know, the bull kind of says he did it in the pub, and then Lamy kind of comes out from hiding behind the bar, and is he going to do something? He doesn't. He just starts flicking up the glasses, and that's kind of that's kind of that. And I feel it. Uh, maybe it would have added too many kind of characters in terms of the movie because they're going to add like you know Kitty, the the the, the traveler girl. Um, they kind of change around how the American fits and things like that. I can understand, but you know, to me, I felt they it would have been a nice addition there because I think the pub is almost too crowded. That there, there's less people in, in the play, and you get kind of more character out of that. And I, I think it works a bit better that Bull has a relationship with Mick and Mamie and you also see his families and you can see that how it's, there is almost normality in, in Carrick's moment when he's not there. And, I, and I, you don't see that as much in, in the film, but you know, that that's what I think anyway. But that is one of the other kind of major changes as well as those characters aren't really there at all. Um, to anything near the same extent they are in the play? Yeah, um, like it, it, as I said, it's been a while since I've read the play, so I I didn't really notice their absence yeah. in it. Uh, I think it it was probably just to, even though it's an hour and fifty minutes, it was probably to to just streamline it a bit and and keep the focus. Yeah, on, I, I suppose uh, it was bull and tiger and the birds. But I, I I just think I just quite like some of the scenes w- with them. Um, I I think it just kind of. It's setting the scene out before the bull comes in and things get disrupted. It's kind of the camp before the storm. But to me, it always made it feel more real just because they're kind of more innocuous kind of interactions, if you will. And I felt that added a bit to it. And I I, I always quite enjoy their, their character. I think Leamy, like being the kind of elder son, kind of younger than Tig, kind of seeing like the very dark side of the world very quickly is kind of interesting. But, um, you know, there you go. Um I, I suppose as well, Stu, did you notice who the sergeant was in the film asking the questions? The sergeant. A limerick man of sorts. 
His brother might be more famous than him, though. Oh, I have well, I might be cheating because I have it up on IMDb, but I, I believe that's <laughs> Frank McCourt's brother. Yeah, or... brother uh, Malachi McCourt. Uh, he was an actor as well. I, I believe he's still alive, as far as I'm aware. He's not a young man, but uh, Mr. McCourt, if you're listening, I mean, you though. point that out, Rob. Yeah. But apparently, one of the one of the tinkers in the movie, which for anyone who, who is not aware, is another word we had for travelers it's not a particularly uh, nice word was, we're just using the word that are given in the film we're not you know we it's not yeah. correct to refer to a member of the traveling community as that it's a you know not not a particularly nice term so we're not going to use it in that well I, I mean in one respect it was almost a profession that they had at a time where they it was tended to, yeah. to go around and they making they'd like yeah fix yeah, but they like they you know tinker is in like they they fix like machinery and and bits and bobs, uh, like that. They they'd wander yeah. and they'd have like sharpened knives and and things. They'd sell they'd buy, the the old rusty knife and sell, the 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 refurbished Absolutely. one and then they'd refurbish the old one and kind of so that, like that's what they did. They wandered yeah. around and made their money that way. But one of them is uh, Ronan Wilmot, who was the priest the the evil priest from Rawhead Rex. I thought he was as well, yeah. And there's also, um, isn't Brendan Gleeson one of the the laborers in the quarry as well, I think? Uh, I'll check the full cast, but I don't see that there. So one last thing that uh, I want to point out before, I think, we'll... Yeah, uh, Brendan Gleeson is one of the... Give it up. Yeah, Brendan Gleeson is in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I, had a, I knew he was in there. I, I, I just couldn't remember where. <laughs> also, just to say as well, Brenda, Brenda Fricker <laughs> is Maggie McCabe, who's, who's the, the bull's wife and Tyg's mother in this. Um, great, great actress, I must say. She um, does a fantastic job in not saying anything actually i think it's just you know just kind of has a very good commanding presence um quite quite enjoy it oh yeah just very stern yeah. and kind of people says a lot with yeah a look. people might remember her as the the kind of pigeon lady in home alone 2 uh i suppose she's most she, oh shit she's yeah. best known for that i think she's playing the queen in the next season of the crown but i'm not sure if that's oh i'm not 100 sure in that actually i Someone told me she was. I haven't. I haven't actually checked that yet. Um, we'll have to double check that. But anywho, she, but she's a fantastic, fantastic actress. Uh, huge fan of her. Yeah. So um, the last thing, just something that is uh, very Irish that I'll point out, is when uh, the bull is trying to get the the fifty pounds together for the field, he starts pulling money out from uh, behind uh, a painting on the yeah. wall and out of a jar, and it's that like. It's just, it's so funny to me how much of an Irish thing that is, at least in my mind, it might be other countries as well, but it reminded me of uh, when my own grandmother passed away, they were clearing out uh, her house and they found purses with hundreds and hundreds of euros in in little purses and bags hidden everywhere in pockets of jackets. And it was just, it's such a funny thing. Uh, I mean, look, it might happen in other countries, but it seemed very Irish to me just that kind of squirreling away money in any place you can you can think to hide it yeah and uh you know that's that's it it's a very kind of common irish thing to hide kind of money in places like that. i suppose not an exclusively irish thing but certainly re- real i suppose to some of us yeah i, I think that's kind of it i mean i was looking through my play here and i just I won't. I won't uh, subject you to me reading any of it dramatically, but uh, it's a <laughs> different day. Phew. But um, no, I think overall, I would say Crock of Gold. I did enjoy this film. 
Um, I will say that I prefer the play to it. If I'd say if watch the film, if you enjoy it, I would suggest you get a copy of The Field by John B. Keane. Um, whenever things go back to normality, uh, you, you might be able to see a production of it in um, your, your locale, if that if that is possible. Would recommend. It's one of my favorite plays. I've seen it about three times, I think, with different levels of cast. And I've um, really, really enjoyed it. The, funny enough, Stu, the, the copy that I have here is actually, um, it has like transcript details from when it was performed. So this was originally written in 65. This version that I have was actually from uh, the presented at the Abbey Theatre Dublin on Monday the 9th of February 1987 it actually tells you who was uh, acting in the film uh, one person I actually know uh, okay. John Allerton who was the sergeant and father Ted who's, I've actually met as uh, Mick Vanagan the owner interesting though um, <laughs> Niall Tobin who you might remember as the the, the, the older priest in Rawhead Rex um, another great Irish actor is actually playing the bull so in 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 a, in a in a funny way, Stu, that the two priests are both associations with the field, which doesn't surprise us because it's a very very popular Irish. It's, one. it's almost as if it, there it aren't that is. many Irish actors, Rob. No, so I suppose that's it. Uh, what about yourself, Stu? Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely say Crock of Gold. I mean, it's it's a lovely uh, lovely story. Uh, the movie does a really good job, I think, of getting it across. Obviously, it had to change some aspects of it for the the medium that it's yeah. in, but uh, overall, it's great. I'm sure I have seen. Uh, the the play at some point uh, long ago, as you know, my my memory is dog shite for a lot of things, and so I tend to forget. But uh, it's a uh, it's really well done, and yeah, definitely crack a goal. Yeah, so I I'm, I really enjoyed this. I I think it was we still still going to pick something we kind of do a bit quickly, and as was my my love of the John Begin the field and the fact that I just knew this film quite well from seeing it multiple times. That it uh, it was very easy for me to watch. I I I'll say because I've seen it before, but um, um, yeah, no no problems at all there. So um, what are we doing next time, Stu? So on the next week next podcast, uh, Rob, you've heard of Space Jam. But have you heard of Irish Gem? Oh, I'm no. I'm worried now. <laughs> so, so next week we're going to watch uh, the. I think it's. Oh no, I have a different movie up on my phone. My, Michael Jordan comes to Ireland. But anyway, it's. Uh, <laughs> I wish, and he plays Gad. That would, that would be something now. If the the next the next uh, Space Jam movie was, was Michael Jordan coming here and playing a bit of Gad. <laughs> Bugs Bunny, like in a in a like Kilkenny Gad jersey, I'd, I'd, that'd be something. Yeah. So, as I said, next week we will be doing Irish Jam, which is the 2006 movie starring Eddie Griffin, um, which will be an interesting one. It seemed to have been kind of critically panned uh, at having no Irish actors in it. So, <laughs> we'll see oh, how that Jesus, one goes. This sounds terrible. Eddie Griffin was he the? That's what we're here in... for, Rob. He was in something I've seen, wasn't he? He was in um. He's in a couple of things. You, yeah, you know the name rings him. a bell. I I can't quite think of it, but something or other. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. But uh, thanks for listening, anyway, guys. Hope hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, it's been <laughs> been been in my room recording now for a, few, a while, so we're going to take a nice little break now. I think um, we'll be able to return to have a drink in public next week which will be nice in ireland because of the lockdown we'll have to get a substantial meal again with our pints too but i think we'll we'll manage will we oh delicious it'll be it'll be, it'll be fairly nice of course we you know we'll be getting reduced restrictions for christmas so that we can see our families and stuff like that so we will be as cautious as possible and we recommend everyone to do the same and do stay safe out there we know the pandemic is still ongoing unfortunately Absolutely. but hopefully we can 
make a little bit of uh, lightheartedness to help you help you get through it so anyway guys thank you very much for listening if you'd like to give us any feedback we do really appreciate it you can find us at blarney pod on twitter and you can also email us at talking at gmail.com uh, we appreciate all the feedback you give us guys we really do appreciate it any suggestions that you have for anything um you know plenty of our episodes have been from viewer suggestions listener suggestions we're not we're, i don't think we have any viewers yet Stu. do we not to my <laughs> knowledge um no we're not no, on twitch hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not uh but anyway uh if you did enjoy this please tell a friend we do really appreciate when you do that it really means a, a lot to us we're, we're we're still not uh one of these big bad podcasts that you hear about so thanks very much for listening guys do appreciate it so goodbye from me Sloan, and we'll see you next week guys Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.